Warning, the Dub Talk podcast contains language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. There will also be spoilers for various anime throughout the course of this episode. Please use caution in case we discuss a series that you haven't finished. Finally, the opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and may not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Dub Talk, where a bunch of nerds get together and talk about the latest and greatest in English dubs and voiceover, which we really don't have an episode for today because we've already finished Summer at the Movies. But, uh, guys, do you, do you, do you hear that? What, do, do you hear the audience? Hold on a second. Hold on. Holy, holy cow, is that is that a cheering crowd in the background? With with like light? I, I think it is. And I wait, wait. I think they're yelling Encore. What? what? But we didn't plan anything for this. How are we supposed hold on Richie well, gotcha. you, you, you know what guys? I, I guys I think I got something. I think I got something. Let me let me let me just address a crowd. Okay, uh the improvise here. Um uh Afro circus, Afro circus, poke it up, poke it up, poke it up, Afro circus. Get out here, man! They're throwing fruit at us. Holy shit! They're throwing hands at me. They're like taking our severed hands and throwing them at us. All right, all right. Roots, when you invited me on this, you said we were going to be talking about Deep Purple's Made in Japan, the Grace Live album ever made. What is this? <laughs> what are we doing here? I don't know, but I think I summoned we're the ghost. We're working of on it. I don't know, but, but first of all, I think I, I got a question. Prince. I got a question for you, Dub Talk audience. Do you want an encore? They're yelling yes. I'm asking sure. again. Oh my God. Do you want a fucking encore? Whoa. Because we got an encore for you tonight. Captain, I don't know, but for some inside. reason, Josh is holding a sign that says, uh, do a rag episode, you cowards. And security Get takes back him in away. the back. Awesome. Security, take that sign from him. We'll work something out. He's Captain, working for the Shogun! Off the charts! Anyway, um, all joking aside tonight, we do actually have an episode in mind, um... This is the finale of our Summer at the Movies little seven-week marathon, and tonight we are talking about the magnum opus of one Masaaki Iwasa, um, with the four biggest Masaaki Iwasa stands in the Dub Talk podcast. That's right, we are talking about Inuo. <laughs> Woohoo! Dog time! Hey. Um, so, introducing uh, my fellow co-host, first of all, we have Megan. Hi! Uh, we also have Noah. Well, I just wanted to say that I'm just I'm very excited for being here in this show, and peace and love to all you people out there, yeah? I think you just offended an entire island nation that deserves to be offended. But they absolutely should, because they don't know peace and love. 
That is that was actually like not a terrible Ringo impression. No, well, holy crap! Well, when you when you grow up listening to Thomas the Tank Engine being narrated for all your life, you, you just kind of develop that, you know. That's, it's I at least it's he, a, I forgot he was in Thomas the Tank Engine. It's it's at least as good as those vultures from the Jungle Book. There you go. <laughs> um, and obviously, last but not least, we do have Amon with us. Don't eat you up, bitches. <laughs> Um, and that's so Japanese we can, like, for good afternoon. That's true. It so is. we can actually get to like really talking about the show, uh, talking about the film and everything. I'm gonna go ahead and get the plot description out of the way right now. There was a plot um, to this movie from the from the announcement press release from G Kids uh, from visionary director Masaki Iwasa. Hailed by IndieWire as one of the most creatively unbridled minds in all of modern animation, comes a revisionist rock opera about a 14th century superstar whose dance moves take Japan by storm. Uh, born to an esteemed family, Inuo is afflicted with an ancient curse that has left him on the margins of society. Uh, when he meets the blind musician Tomona, a young Biwa priest haunted by his past, Inuo discovers a captivating ability to dance. The pair quickly become business partners and inseparable friends as crowds flock to the to their electric, larger-than-life concerts. Uh, but when those in power threaten to break up the band, Inuo and Tomona must dance and sing to uncover the truth behind their creative gifts. Uh, featuring character designs by Tayo Matsumoto, um, also known for Tekken Kingcrete and Ping Pong, um, and awe-inspiring vocals by Avu-chan and Mirai Moriyama, um, Inuo is a gland rock ode to the power of music and a forceful statement on artistic freedom from one of animation's singular talents. So that's right. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. They finally took the animated classic Happy Feet and turned it into a rock opera anime. Also, I have to really, really laugh at the um, at the business partners and inseparable friends because I'm thinking of that, that grandmother with the, the Madoka little image they seem like good friends <laughs> they seem history will remember them as roommates <laughs> oh my god they were roommates history actually history won't remember shit about these people nope <laughs> that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of the message of the movie though isn't it the idea about preserving the stories of the past and putting your own spin on it to keep their memories alive Yes, but also, and all, but also Achilles and his roommate. Oh yeah, we, we can talk about the gay stuff. Absolutely, it's like Sappho and her friend. Sappho? Oh my god! <laughs> what video oh. game are you referencing? That's not a video game. That's oh Greek mythology. Noah. So, so, so way back in the way back when there was this uh, island with ladies on it, and there was a poet on it named. Sappho. And she wrote a lot of poetry about how the ladies like to fuck each other. That's where sapphic comes from. Oh. That wasn't in my English class. Sorry. And you see that that island also um, happened to be called Lesbos. Is that why it went down? So, uh... <laughs> no, I go to the corner. Okay, okay. I'm gone. I love it. I love it when we derail our own podcast. <laughs> I am in physical pain right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm 
So before we all hurt each other with our misinterpretations of history and mythology, um, this film does have a dub, which means that dub has an ADR crew. Um, directing the dub for Eno is one Michael Center Nicholas at NYAV Post. And doing the scripts is Kyle McCarley. Um, which, you know, I gotta say on the production side, um, one thing I really appreciate is, um, this was one of the cases where I feel like not dubbing the songs was the right call. Yeah, we gotta talk about that. Um, because I feel like a lot of people who are actually like dubs have come to the expectation that if there's a lot of Japanese singing, that... It will probably not get dubbed for, like, streaming, but for the home release, that will be a little extra incentive to listen to the songs dubbed. Um, but yeah, I agree with you that considering that this is a very period-appropriate era with the songs that I don't know how you would translate them exactly into English lyrics, I agree. I think the correct I choice mean, was to keep it uh, in the Japanese. I mean, to be fair... The lyrics are translated in subtitles, so it's not like they're untranslatable, per se. It's... Like, here's the thing with dub songs that I think I've had to reiterate at least more than at least several years of my life now. Mm -hmm. Is that if they can't do it, if the reason the songs aren't dubbed is a combination of things, it's probably because Japan didn't let them. Mm. I, I, and, I, sorry, continue. And I'm pretty sure that this was one of those times where they got no permission. I don't know 100%, but I've heard from various directors that a lot of, if you like asked a, a dub director, be like, hey, you have these songs. Do you want to dub them? And they have permission. They're not going to say no. They're not going to say no if they want to keep their job. Well, sure. I, 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 I don't think it helps that based on my understanding of how this particular song form works, uh, it's it's very like formalized and it is much is it, it is as much storytelling as it is singing, and that sounds the kind of thing we're trying to translate into English just sounds like such a fucking headache. Like why would you do that to yourself? Yeah, we don't quite have yeah. an equivalent to that in in the English speaking language. Um, so yeah, I agree. It's not that the the words couldn't be translated because, like Megan said, they have translations to the lyrics at the bottom, so you can tell what they're saying. It's that the form would be very alien to any kind of oh, musical yeah. style we have in English. Although, um, I will give props to them that they actually did they actually did dub one. You could technically call it two of the Biwa songs. Oh, wait, no, two, maybe, uh, you can technically call it three. Yeah, um, it's... And those were at the very beginning of the film and the very end. Yeah, it's just the, the very mm. rock opera-y show pieces. Yeah. I think, I, I, and I totally which, get it. I think the, the ones that I think were more just, like, poetry recitations are probably a lot easier to work around. The ones that have, like, structure, like, mm -mm, nah, no thanks. That's, yeah. that's, that's like, weeks Although, of work for what? On the other, like, on the flip side of the coin for that, um, like, you are dealing with two very powerhouse singers in Japanese, and frankly, you could dub Avu-chan in a speaking role, you do not fucking dub the Queen Bee. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I'm sorry, 
there are just like sometimes where it's like, you know what? You are watching a very Japanese production. Like, please let the culture stay there. And I get that, like, I get that some people would say, oh, well, then it's not fully dubbed. Uh, in the words of an actor I talked to who I'm not going to say, well, they got paid to do it. So, yeah, it is a real dub. Yeah. Um, and I think just overall, like, I think the thing that I like about the scripting from Kyle in particular is that it never felt like, despite all of the kind of semi-modern takes on performing stuff, because, like, this this is a this is obviously a movie with supernatural influences, and some people would be like, "Yeah, I could stretch my disbelief for that." But like, when these people are making laser light shows in the fucking this fucking hey. era, <laughs> like there are some people who are like, "Hold on a minute." Um, but I like that the dialogue never really felt out of place for the time period that they were in, despite the imagery being very much a ha ha, like. In a in a fun way, so I like that, and I also be I really like the casting on this movie. Yes, um, I like a lot of the acting on it. I think the child actors do well for the child characters. I think the main two actors for our leads have a great dynamic. Um, I love the vocal texture that they have. I I just genuinely enjoyed how much the acting meshed in with the singing voices despite it being two actors you could feel like if this this person who is in English was singing like that could be their voice it didn't feel like there were like two different types of people playing it it felt like they meshed together so I liked it yeah there's not uh, yeah I, that's, I'm sorry you want no 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 go ahead uh, there's not a lot on the technical side to really criticize about this uh, we've definitely got to a point in dubbing where Mixing is usually is very invisible. Um, like there's not really a vocal difference between the original Japanese singing and then when it transitions over to the English speaking, which were obviously recorded in different areas, different studios by different performers. Those are very seamless. And yeah, the performers themselves uh, capture a lot of the nuances for the uh, like the minority discriminations or the. Um, suffering through being born blind or just the the kick-ass thrill you get well, from he wasn't, performing he wasn't born blind no, yeah. i'm sorry not well we meet them when they're blind so i'm sorry i forgot yeah. that it happened after they were born but you know what i mean i'm just saying yeah. that yeah the audio on this is pretty well done for something that i was honestly surprised even got an english dub just because of like you're saying megan how japanese it was i kind of thought this would be something that if it didn't have the legacy of Masaki Yuasa production that they may have thought this might be a little too difficult to market in an English-speaking world. And honestly, one of the other things I would like to definitely give kudos toward um, Kyle McCarley's scripts for is the fact that it definitely does feel like a period piece. Um, like, where, where it is appropriate... Um, a lot of the actors do speak in a very stiff and regal manner. Mm -hmm. um, but then you also get the characters like, um, you know, Tomoari and Inuo, who come from more humble backgrounds, and their speaking style is a little more reflective of that. Um... I just feel like there's a lot of layers to each of the characters that the dub introduces. And this is also 
something I could I can also give kudos to the direction for. Um, this is this is an incredibly strong dub on the technical side, and also I do want to give props to someone I didn't mention in the offset, and that's Stephanie Shea, who is the casting director of this film. Mm -hmm. um, for the casting, um, there are a lot of names that. Um, typical anime goers may not be familiar with. A lot of them are primarily video game actors. Uh, and I enjoy seeing that. I, I love giving opportunities to actors to diversify their portfolios. Um, definitely something worth seeing, and yeah. Oh yeah, this is definitely something that we, I think we in the group like is when we get outside of our norm of people to talk about. Who, like, we have a lot of staples of uh, the cast we talked about in the past, and we're like, oh, it's this excellent person with a, a proven track record of doing really well again. I like them. But every once in a while, it's kind of nice to get, I have never heard of this person before, and I am kind of glad to give my ears something fresh to listen to, uh, as long as they're actually good. And in this case, I didn't hear a sour performer either. So, yeah, props to Stephanie Shea for casting people who... Uh, the average anime movie watcher may not have heard before. And in particular, um, we'll get more into it when we get to our our main two characters' actors, but, like, uh, I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination to say Inuo is a very, very, like, queer film queer-coded film. What? And they... Their lead actors very much reflect that. While still fitting in the era that they exist in. Correct. So, yeah, honestly, like I said, this is probably... This was a very, very solid showing out of NYAV Post, mm -hmm. and I am I am very happy of the, with the end product we ended up getting. Quality work. Uh, did you have anything you wanted to chime in with, Fama? It's good. <laughs> I, no, you're not allowed to say that. <laughs> I, it, it, it's really it's well produced. It's well cast. I, 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 I know some of this is definitely just due to, like, who the characters are, but I did find it funny that the, uh, the leads are actors who, if you're mostly, like, an anime person, I think would be a little less familiar, but a lot of the, like, Wall-E no-name characters are people you do recognize. Like, yeah. I definitely heard Patrick Seitz a bunch of times in this playing just, like, mm -hmm. random dudes. Um, yeah. Which, you know, I, and I'm sure part of that is just, like, ah, oh, we need someone to come in and fill in doing a bunch of random dudes. Patrick's a professional. He can do that. Um, <laughs> uh, no, like this is this is a really well put together movie. I, it's good, uh, and I don't particularly blame them for not dumbing the song as they both for I think cultural reasons and also just like stylistically that would have been really difficult um, for you know in ways that I don't think necessarily would have benefited the dub as a whole. Per se. Also, it's very possible that it's just like you know the side came down from the JP side of like we'd rather you didn't dub these period, and they're like, all right, don't need to worry about it. <laughs> yeah, there we just go. scratch those out of the script and keep going. Cool. 
it, I know it's easy for us to, to theorize about like why did, they didn't do it, and I'm sure it was for a very good reason. When I'm watching this, the reason I thought of like immediately was the lip movements, the jaw movements are like so tuned to the Japanese syllables. I don't know if you could mm-hmm. dub it without that being like really, really jarring. It it feel it would feel like yeah. yet, it would feel like yet another complication on top of already like vocal melodies in English and Japanese are written very differently because of how the languages are constructed, and that's why mm-hmm. a lot of uh, dub songs often sound a little weird because they're not really designed to be sung in a different language, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I, anyways, yeah, that was a really good dub. Like I like this movie a lot, and this is a very well put together dub for it. It rocks. Was that already? Speaking of rock, Amon, did you catch the Jimi Hendrix reference in this movie? I cut, I cut a bunch. A lot of these performances are like, okay, wait, I've definitely seen this before. Where have I seen this before? Mm-hmm. To be honest, the, the, the one that's the one that probably stuck out the most was, um, I think it's, I think it's the first one where Tomoichi is doing like his first kind of like flashy like glam rock thing. There's a bit where he like takes his jacket off. He's like like showing off his back and like wiggling his hips, and it's like mm-hmm. I have definitely seen either footage or a photo of Iggy Pop doing this in the seventies. Oh, the, mostly okay. mostly yeah. helped by the sh- fact that Iggy Pop is also perpetually shirtless and wears a lot of tight pants, so you know <laughs> it works. Yeah, there's definitely some British glam rock influence all over this. I mean, I, f- I feel that felt like I, I know obviously Japan has its own long history of like very glammy theatrical rock music, but like Visual you know. You know, yeah, exactly. But like, if you're asking me, like, oh, what band does all this remind you of the most? And it's like, it sounds a lot like Queen, especially because the yes. especially because the guitar player in on some of the songs is definitely going for that Brian May guitar tone that he uses on every Queen record. So like, that, that's it, that's a very so, obvious point of reference. Yeah, and in particular, like the 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 final song, the Dragon King's Palace. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That was totally fucking Queen. Hell yeah! It's like ah, oh, this is just Bohemian Rhapsody here at the beginning. All right, cool. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not complaining. That's a good. You're gonna use that as your starting point. Good. That's a great song. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. It is. Um. Anyway, we got a. We actually have a pretty small group of characters, but. With our main two, we've got, like, a couple actors to deal with. So we're going to first talk about some of the the smaller players. Um, first and foremost, we had the the Shogun of the era, Yoshimitsu Ashikaga. Um, a guy who just kind of wants to unify the country this, under him. This dude sucks ass. <laughs> he sucks a whole lot of ass. Well, is there any politicians that don't suck ass? fair. I mean, I don't know if you could stretch to call um, them politicians when they're monarchs, basically, but yeah. His ambition is to reunite the Shogunate with three sacred regalia treasures. Um, and the start of the movie is, I believe, his grandfather hiring um, hiring Tomina's father to retrieve the, the sacred sword, which is one of the three, um, which is apparently so sacred when it's pulled out of its sheath, it flat out slices Tomina's father in half and blinds him. Just from the sheer majesty of it. Bummer. 
Um, we also have Tani Ichi, who is um, part of the, the, the Biwa circle that ends up training Tomina after he goes blind in the Biwa. Um, which, once I get through the characters, I do have a little little thing to say that'll give a little more context to everything. Um, we also have Inuo's father, who is an absolute Screw that bastard. guy. Fuck that guy. Um, Soccer dad. He sell... We basically have a Dororo situation here, where um, Inuo's father sells basically the body and soul of his son the fetus. to a demon in order to obtain the... Sea- I guess to obtain more stories of the Heike. Yeah, it's not even one of the artifacts. It's like more knowledge of their uh, uh, their long history. He basically played. He just basically pulled a Republican strategy. Ouch. Yeah, he, but not. Untrue. He basically sell he he sells his son out for fame and power, um, which ends up coming absolutely back around to bite him in the ass in the finale of the movie when he turns to giblets and gravy. <laughs> got the... Hey, did you know that the movie Akira is 36 years old this year? <laughs> I did know that. I don't think his dad did. Well, he's to, found be, out. To, to be fair. His it dad got the... And then we also... get... He did get the full Akira experience, though. Yep. Had he did. And then we have Tomina's father, who, as I mentioned, ends up getting killed by the Sacred Regalia Sword. Um, but he also, follow, for a while, follows Tomina around as a spirit. He comes back as like a little genie guy. He turns into the smaller thing and he's got the higher pitched voice. It fucking ended me. That was funny. <laughs> did not expect that. You see that character I- design of, yeah, like rotund. Uh, dad bod and you think like he's gonna talk like this all the time and no it's not like I couldn't find you because you changed your name it's great anyway um, our Shogun is played by one Corey Yi uh, Taniichi is played by Rene Mujika or that might be Muyika. Um, I, I do forgive me if I'm butchering the name. Um, Inuo's father is played by Jason Marno- Marnoka, and Tomina's father by uh, Keith Farley. Um, which none of these characters really get too too much in the way of screen time. Maybe Taniichi and Inuo's father. Mm-hmm. They're, they're kind of uh, uh, plot devices because the, the show, the movie, is not about them, obviously. So no. it would have been easy to um, to get out like the B squad of like um, you know people aren't going to uh, focus on these characters, so we don't have to try so hard. So just for the group of them, I'd say that um, it, it's a testament to the overall direction that uh, everyone is still believable in their roles. Um, I was honestly expecting Jason's performance of Inuo's father to be. Uh, much more over the top to not only match his despicableness, but also to match the animation because he he's basically uh, bombasting his kids, the two other kids, for not being able to dance right. Um, and you would expect that to have like a very 
uh, unlikable, screechy voice. Uh, but Jason luckily does not do that. He gives it um, a very uh, exasperated but still grounded in the real world voice, like uh, probably a dad that you may have seen before who, again, soccer dad is the the thing that comes to mind. He's a stage mom. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, I hate that show. No, Dance Moms. Dance Moms is the show. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, same thing. Basically, the stage mom. The, like, the living vicariously through their child to an unhealthily obsessive degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a good performance. Like, okay. yeah, it's, it, it's a, it, uh, it helps, uh, sell Inuo's, uh, kind of, like, um, comeuppance later when it turns out he's the one who's got the sick dance moves. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah, L- love whoops. love that ironic Tales from the Crypt style irony. <laughs> you want me to kill the thing that I made? Nah, son. <laughs> I love that whole interaction at the end of the film with um, with his father and the the demon of the mask, where it's just like, yeah, you you already gave me that boy, and now you want me to destroy him? No, fuck, fuck you. you. <laughs> not how this game works you stupid bitch can't you can't you can't cross demons it doesn't work out Mm-mm. to which oh man i actually jason marnoka as the dad i actually didn't know that was him because i'm very used to jason Mar- like i'm both used to jason marnoka slash me jason marnoka has a really seriously killer range so uh i liked him there uh tomina's dad is i i thought he was really funny when he shows up as the ghost, I think he gets that very exasperated, like, don't change your name, you dumb shit, I can't find you. <clears throat> and then, just also, oh yeah, by the way, your mother died in PC, a bitch. <laughs> um, that was really the, the part of his performance I actually like is, like, that when he first goes blind and is sort of fumbling around the forest and you hear, um, Tomona's father just like, yeah, you have to avenge, you have to avenge me, you have to avenge us, and you also hear sort of that, that sort of marshy bubbling noise in the background. Yeah, as other souls are wailing out in pain, and he's just like avenge us because he's part of the sea, and then. Uh, oh man, let's talk about the biggest dick in this section. Oh my, uh, yeah. Fuck the Shogun! Uh, oh man, Corey plays the Shogun so well. Just this very calm and conniving man who's like, I'm doing this for the best of our country. You wouldn't really want to fuck this up, would you? It's like, I'm doing this all for the unification of Japan. It's like... No, you're just a dick who wants to control people in art. You're mad your wife likes Inuo better than she likes you. That was the impression I got. I It felt less like he was trying to silence the stories of the Heike and was just trying to be like, No, fuck you, Inuo. No, he was he was trying to silence the story of the Heike well, I for mean, control. But there was also, remember, there's a part earlier on in the movie where they're talking about how he likes the girl, that one girl. 
who dances that style better. Is that implied to he he married her? Um, so there's some very interesting historical context about that character, Fujiwaka. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, first of all, Fujiwaka is not a woman. Um. Ah. And, um, there may have been certain interactions between Yoshimitsu Ashikaga and Fujiwaka. Gotcha. Um, Mm. before that kind of thing would have been considered appropriate in modern culture. Mm. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, like, I think that there's, there's just this kind of like, it's like, it's like heart, it's, I don't know, I want I don't even want to say heartbreaking, the worst person you know has made a point type of voice. <laughs> that, that's all I could think of. It's like, you were the fucking worst and I hate you. This and is definitely yeah. makes his, his very like this like very unassuming smugness so very good, and then Rene as Taniichi, the old man that teaches uh, Tomina Biwa is he's just a fucking riot when he's up. Yes, uh, like um, he's got this very fun old man voice, and I I I think he delivers my favorite line in the whole movie, which is ah smells like murder and arson. The city is the same as it ever was. <laughs> and then there, there's like murmuring around, and he's just like, Don't we can't really talk about this kind of thing because this is not necessarily, uh, this is not necessarily an area where we have protection. Oh, the capital smells great today. <laughs> he's he's very much got that kind of like. I don't know. I don't want to. Like, I don't know. It's just like this very like familiar. Even though this is a very Japanese movie, there's something very familiar about the way that this character acts. It's like that crazy little old man mentor in every movie. He's 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 very yeah. he's very avuncular. He feels like a, he feels like a dude or like he's found this talented kid who's in like kind of the same situation he's lived most of his life in and it's like I want to take you under my wing I want to teach you how to live in this cruel cruel world I want to pass on the lessons that were passed on to me because I like you kid you're going to go far in life and then um, he did yeah, yeah he was right died. he was correct <laughs> good, good, also, good instinct Tadichi well I didn't mention him as part of the the group we're talking about. I do also want to give props to Keone Young as the the leader of the Biwa troop, uh Teichi. Mm-hmm. I also just I don't know why, but like when I started talking about this character, the only thing I'm thinking of is like he's like Ray from he's like Ray from fucking uh Princess and Frog, Mabel Evangelis. Mm. Oh man, this guy was in. Uh... Oh, he did Scissor Seven. He was in Scissor Seven today. Okay. But yeah, I I love the character of Taniichi. Um, like he's he's just this great. He's a wise mentor, but he's also a snarky old man, and it's it's just great. He has that wonderful quality of like I'm not gonna, like I like you, so I'm not gonna bullshit you. Yeah. All right. So I think with that, we're gonna go ahead and move on to our two lead characters. Um, 
first of all, we have Tomona, who, as I had mentioned, um, was blinded by the sheer majesty of the the regalia he managed to recover from the sea. Um, in his travels, he is taught by Taniichi to play a biwa, um, and takes on the name Tomoichi as sort of a symbol of his, uh, of the fact that he belongs to this prestigious group of monks. And then as Tomoichi begins to learn more about, um, Inuo and the spirits that surround him and their stories, um, he takes on the, the name Tomowari, which is Japanese for We Are Here, which I think, like, that, that was a really kind of beautiful note to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and here I thought Ray Charles was the only blind musician who changed their name when they got big. <laughs> and then we also have Inuo. Um, Inuo is a was a child of this of this performer that I don't think we ever actually got the name of. Um, we just know him as Inuo's dad. But was cursed by a demon to basically physically deform him in a way that uh, that just made him absolutely frightening to behold. That was one hell of a graphic um, but, birth scene. Yeah. But as Inuo becomes friends with Tomoichi and begins to unravel the stories of the Heike that are being told by the spirits around him, um, his body starts to return to normal. Um, his hand, First his hands... Uh, then his back, and then in the final performance, his face reverts to a normal face. Um, and in the process, these two absolutely revolutionize the sort of music style of Biwa into into a more, what we would more interpret as like a modern rock opera, mm-hmm. until the man got them down. Fucking man. Fucking man. The, see, see, they fought the law, but the law won. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about the house. The house always wins. Not if you burn it down. This is fair. Uh, So, in any case, um, there are multiple actors associated with each of these characters. Um, Two for Inuo and three for Tomona. Um, So, for Inuo... Uh, the, the teenage form of the character is played by Holden Thomas. And the more adult Inuo is played by Joshua Waters. Um, the young Tomona is played by Carter Young. Uh, when Tomona becomes Tomoichi, Tomoichi is played by Jonathan Leon. Uh, and then the adult Tomoichi, as he becomes Tomoari, is played by Saina Briar. And first and foremost, I gotta say, Carter Young does a really good job as the child Tomona. Um, mm-hmm. I think he was in a couple of the, the Star Wars Vision shorts and did a really good job there. He's just a good child actor, and I, mm-hmm. I hope there are bright things for his future. Um, in the world of anime dubbing, outside the world of anime dubbing, doesn't matter. 
Mm-hmm. Like, he's a good actor, and I hope there's good things for him ahead. Oh, absolutely. This is another benefit, again, of the NYAV uh, staple, is that they usually do get children actors for the child roles, as opposed to L.A. or Texas, where usually if there's a child, it's probably going to be voiced by a woman. So, again, just kind of refreshing to hear an actual young Charlie Brown voice. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. I don't begrudge a lot of the Texas and L.A. studios, especially into the timetables that they're no. working with. No, no, no. Uh, for a lot of their television dubs, because mm-hmm. I'd imagine you have to follow child labor laws, uh, which are slowly becoming non-existent in certain states, but um, just the timing of how fast they have to put stuff out, so it is it, it is kind of a benefit that NYV Post gets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't think Dallas could get away with another Aaron Dismuke as Alphonse Elric these days. Yeah, you're right. Um, and honestly, Jonathan Leon does a really good job with um, with sort of the the teenage Tomona Tomoichi, mm-hmm. even though that probably so... gets the least screen time of the three. Yeah, it is. But it's so necessary because that's the first time we hear the character and it introduces us to so many of the concepts of, like, you know, this character can read by, you know, just uh, running their hand over the objects or the, you know, infatuation with the Biwa at the beginning. So it's it's crucial that we get that performance absolutely right. And it's not a super young-sounding voice. Like, if I had to guess the age, I was like, this sounds like maybe 11 or 12, maybe? Yeah. It's that good that, balance between not being a little kid and not being too adult. Yeah. And also, I've I've talked about Jonathan Leon before, um, once or twice. Um, particularly with, I believe, the Lou Over the Wall episode. Um, he's a good actor. Especially in the thing I'm watching right now. Um, which is, like... The, the show I'm watching right now is, like... Spoiler alert, like, early dubby contender right now, which... I think oh, I know what it is. Chef kiss. Um, but, um, also, one thing I did want to give just sort of a little context as to, um... As to the, the clan in which Tomoichi becomes a part of, um... It is sort of touched on a little bit in the um, the companion piece to Inuo, the, the series The Heike Story. Ah, uh, yes. Another Science Sour um, adaptation. So, in that time period, a lot of people, a lot of blind people take up the Biwa, um, basically because it's easy bunny. Uh, it's... It's something they can easily do with their hands and doesn't require sight. Um, and in that culture at the time, they considered blindness sort of a, a, a view into the into mysticism, into the spirit realm. You couldn't see the physical realm, but you could see... The spiritual. Or the future. Right. For some, one you were more... You were more sensitive to the the goings on of the supernatural, which was which was basically the reason why a lot of blind performers could make a lot of money as a Biwa player. Hmm. Which, by the way, I know Megan, you've seen it, but have either of you other guys? I have not uh, actually. Seen... 
the Time out. story. I haven't actually, I've only seen like a couple episodes and never finished it. Megan, you're <laughs> breaking my heart! So I was just asking because I was wondering, um, for anyone who uh, is not even, not even just familiar with that anime adaptation, but maybe not even familiar with the Heike story in general, because it's, al it's already a famous piece of um, Japanese uh, literature. Um, were you able to grasp what was going on in the story without that context? Yes. Mm -hmm. They tell you enough that you need to know. Mainly the story of the Shogun seeking the, the three sacred regalias um, and the, the war, the conflicts that ended up coming from it mm -hmm. and the downfall of the Heike clan. Mm-hmm. And it, it's that is basically that's basically all you need to know about the Heike Monogatari mm -hmm. going into Inuo. Well, I'd okay, argue I, that there's. I mean, I'd argue that the the better uh, the theme for that, like why they chose that old story to be referenced in this new story, is that they're both stories about the inevitability of the changing of power. Uh, the Heike were once a powerful family, and they thought, we're going to be hot shit forever, and no, they weren't. Uh, alliances splintered, their family lost power, their, who was the emperor, lost that, and there became, like, two emperors of the country. And it's the same in this movie, too, where a lot of the, what is considered old and relevant, uh, as far as performances goes, gives way to the newer style, this new glam rock style of performance. So I was wondering if that uh, connection to the two was something that maybe wasn't as apparent without previously knowing anything about the Heike story. No, I think you could get the general. Um, they do work as companion pieces to one another, and I would recommend definitely um, checking them both out oh, around yeah. the same time as one another. Mm-hmm. But you don't need one to understand the other. Yeah, what were you going to say, Yaman? Uh, I mean, mostly it was like, I, I picked enough to understand that, like, okay, this is, like, oral tradition rooted in history, a la, like, you know, the Iliad or something like that. Oh, um, definitely. And, and, and mostly I got, and partially this is because, like, I, I just, like, I browsed, like, the first paragraph of the Wikipedia article, which is like, eh, they're war chronicles. And it's like, yeah, these are war chronicles, <laughs> all right. Okay. Oh, yes. First one's all about dudes getting their arms hacked off. I love it. Great. <laughs> give, me, give, me that grand, give me that grand gingle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you mentioned the Iliad, because there is also a lot of comparison between Homer and the oral traditions of the Heike story as well, not least of which being... Mostly told on a stringed instrument. By blind people. It's yep. it's, it's something. By blind... There you go. What a, what a, what a strange bit of consequence. It's also probably as gay as the, uh, as the Odyssey. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, but I, the adaptation that I've read of the Odyssey, mostly it's about Odysseus laying other women, so... It's the Greek. Nothing was ever 100% straight with that. Sure, sure. Look... Greek mythology is pasta. It's straight until you put it in hot water. <laughs> Same as me! <laughs> That's then enough. the fun stuff happens. Speaking of the fun stuff, uh, which other actor do we want to talk about? Yeah, so now we get into um, Tomona becoming an adult and becoming Tomowari. Um, with Santa Briar, and holy crap, she is a tour de force. Like, put Santa Briar in more shit. Like, really? 
Yeah, no, she's fucking great. Also, B, there's no way on earth that this is a this is a cis person. Right. Yeah, you like, like mm. Tominari is very, if not outright trans, very transcoded. Did you um, get that from like the makeup and the lipstick? And... No, just also like not that like it's actually in my in my opinion I think the reason why is a lot of the other things outside of the story and not just their appearance. It's uh, them deciding that they want to choose their own name, how they are here in the now, how they buck uh, the conformity ways of. Because here's the thing about a lot of the Biwa musicians, they're, they're monks. They're religious. Uh, bucking that tradition, bucking a more traditional religious state for their own expression. Um, obviously the stuff with the makeup, but I think to me the thing that really gets me about Tomoari's story is that they choose to die as themselves. And they are cut, they did not die naturally, they are cut down by a very cisnormative power structure and by cops. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the thing I really like about Santa Briar's performance is like what Ruth said. It's powerful. It's, it's, there's something so like, I don't, I don't know how to say it. It's like, it's, it, it is very glam rocker esque. It's not, but it's not in, like, the glam rocker, like, with the smooth voice, pretty face. Like, the voice sounds gritty under things. Like, it is very much a person who has chosen and gone for smoking seven packs a day and rock out with their cock out. Um, and Sana's performance gets that across so well. There is something about... Uh, Tominari that isn't, I think, also traditionally super pretty about them. That in their appearance, like, their teeth are jacked up. Um, they they're not just beautiful for the sake of beauty. They're, they're they obviously, you know, fuck. Like, Tomoari fucks. Tominari fucks hard. Like, they, they make a note, it's like, why does he smell like a brothel? Mm-hmm. But the I smell think of prostitutes, yeah. Toots. But Sena gets across this like sense of longing and pain to find themselves, because a lot of Tominari's life is kind of dictated by, at first, by what others want of them. Like, Dad, you need to go kill in revenge for me. And then when they find what they want, they have this great like kind of orgasmic self-expression that's used against them and also I find it very it's very ironic that the thing that uh, the the demon mask asks of Inuo's dad is to cut down Biwa players to say to like give them the stories and that Tominari is essentially the final Biwa player that's cut down, but the stories can't be passed on because Inuo's been put into a cage. Uh, but I, I love Santa Briar's performance. It is easily top-notch in a contender for one of the best performances of the year. Yeah. Um, and honestly, this does sort of go into a little bit more of soapboxy territory where... Um, Sena has been pretty outspoken about 
know, trans actors in anime dubs. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly, she was cast as Tomoari beca- specifically because um, NYAV Post and Stephanie Shea were specifically looking for um, trans and non-binary actors to play the two leads. Mm-hmm. Um, and these a- these opportunities are not extended very often um, mm-hmm. toward toward trans and non-binary actors if they present as such. And I if, think that's... Or if they're a trans or non-binary that's something that, actor that doesn't feel the need to transition in a certain way. Right. But for those... But for those who are actually in the process of transitioning, it is hard to get roles. Mm-hmm. And, like, to me, that feels not okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I am the kind of guy who feels like all casting should, unless you are looking for something very specific, should be blind. Mm-hmm. Like, it should be your voice that gets you a role, not who you are, not... Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I went and... into this not knowing any of that background knowledge about uh, Sena. So the performance just kind of wowed me with, oh, this is a really unique, but also really well acted performance. So it's to your yeah, what you were saying about yeah, go in to casting blind because you have no idea what actors you're shutting out by. Uh, saying you can't have uh, transitioning trans people in your performances, you're going to miss out on some really great talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, though that, and I do also understand that you know blind casting is not going to be the magic bullet. That you know actors are going to still fall through the cracks, and I feel like they're. There needs to be consideration for for actors breaking in. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, hopefully this will be um, a stepping stone for Sena being in uh, a lot more stuff in future episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I guess I guess my my soapbox thing while I'm up here is like cast more trans actors, cast more mm-hmm. non-binary actors. Mm-hmm. Cast more queer actors. More people with more different stories in dubs is mm-hmm. the exact opposite of a bad thing. It is a great thing. So in any of your research, uh, anyone, uh, did you see anything about this? Uh, the casting, uh, choosing uh, like queer positive actors being approved by the, the Japanese uh, side of things, since they usually have to approve stuff like like music rights or some of the I, cast choices. Honestly, at this point, I don't I, think I Japan think I remember. Is... Oh, sorry. Honestly, just based on like things I've seen from other places, like like I'll be real with you guys, like a lot of the Texas dubs have like a fuck ton of queer people in them. Oh yeah. Like whether it be directing, on writing, on cast, and like I don't think any of them have necessarily said like they've been denied because they were queer by Japan. I've heard things about English casting 
on from certain places that did used to deny people and they were since called out and that has essentially been rectified right. but i've never heard of japan being like oh no you can't cast this person because they're queer well um, we, we hear about and, the the english side of things a lot more just because of the lack of language barrier we hear about press releases and i mean right we don't i've not heard particularly like a, a japanese studio saying no you can't cast this person because they're lgbtqa like at all but that's probably i'm gonna be real with you know that's probably gonna be hidden by a lot of studios because they want to keep business relations and that's yeah. kind of the dick part about all of this and and that's on the Japanese I, side more than anything in the particular instance of inuo i think the the casting choices were deliberate even on the Japanese side because yeah. um, Inuo's actor is very much trans. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because I'm not very familiar with Abu Chan's background. Yeah. Also, yes. Um, through other stuff. I am trying to recall if. Because um, there is a little bit of a, a translator work with interviews with Avu-chan, but I do believe um, she does identify as trans. Okay. So I should go back and give this a listen to the sub then. Yes. Um, at, at <laughs> and, and coming back to Inuo, um, one thing particular on the um, on the acting side is um, and the direction I cannot tell where Holden Thomas's performance begins and ends and where Joshua Waters' performance begins and ends I I do not know what they are referring to as Teen Inuo and I think that is really impressive um, I think it's the ti uh, time jump it's the um, uh, transition between uh, like young, just starting out, learning the Biwa, and then in what is kind of considered present day, soon after um, Inuo and Tamona meet each other. I think that's the cutoff between uh, teen and adult. And that's what I'm assuming as well. But it... Nonetheless, it feels seamless. Okay, so I have to ask. Did anybody else think that, like, baby Gord Inuo kind of looked like the Science Saru mascot? A little bit, that's, yeah, that's, but that's the fun shape. fact, the, um, the Science Saru mascot is actually a monkey character from Yuasa's first TV anime, Kimono Zume. Oh, nice. Huh. But, you yeah, know, I definitely agree. It, I honestly thought jo Joshua Waters played the entire character. <laughs> Yeah. I have not watched Sasaki and Miyano, trust me, I'm getting there, where he's one of the leads in that show. Um, but, man, also another tour de force performance. Yeah. Um, the, um, I think their standout performance as Inuo is, um, it's, so, first and foremost, the the scene in the court after Inuo has fully transformed back into his human self, where he's talking with the Shogun, and it's just like, yeah, so, uh, 
you're not gonna be you're not gonna be telling your stories anymore. We're we're gonna just use the the, the Heike Monogatari as written. So oh, oh, and he, oh, and he cracks and puts on his. Uh, you mean the bit where he, he cracks and he puts on his white person voice? Yes. <laughs> yes. I've 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 heard my girlfriend use that when she's on the phone with annoying clients, and it's like you don't sound like you. I hate this. This is so upsetting. And Joshua like gave that, and it's like oh, oh I oh I oh I viscerally do not like this. It's a very fake sounding voice, but I just love the the juxtaposition between uh, him gritting between his teeth at the Shogun about hit. Like, these are my stories, and you're telling me I can't tell them? And then the point where, oh, yeah, your your friend, Tomoati, if, if you tell these stories again, we'll kill him. And it's just like, oh, what are you talking about? So you see, what we're going to do is we're going to be taking your performances and your stories off of HBO Max, and if you try to put them anywhere else, well, we're going to file a lawsuit. And he's like, well, fine, I'll just upload a torrent. Holy shit, the Shogun is Zazov. Oh my god. God. I, you're saying this right as I, I'm like on Twitter. I refuse to call it by its other name. <laughs> and I'm looking at a tweet that says, Over the Garden Wall will leave Max on August, 30, August 31st. With Dana Terrence going, no! Ugh. Wait, it is? It is being taken off? Yes. Uh, Fuck you, David Zazov, you piece of shit. Okay, well, go out and buy it. That that one at least has all of it available that on one's video. Dirt. Yeah, that one's like eight bucks on Amazon. So yeah, get get well, <laughs> get it while it's cheap. Yeah, get, yeah, get yeah. it while it's cheap. Yeah, it's. Um, so Patrick, but which also... one of us is taking the, the brunt on that one anyway? <laughs> yeah, we'll figure that out after we're done. But um, the other really standout for, um, side of Joshua Waters' performance is actually a really quiet moment and I think it's also um, the standout moment for Sena as Tomoati. Oh ooh, can I and guess that is what it when is? the um, when the both of them are under the uh, the cherry tree drinking sake. Mm-hmm. And they're just discussing their plans for the future and it's just like, you know, hey, I'm I'm gonna keep telling these stories as long as the spirits want me to tell them. And and Tomoichi just turns around and says, you know what? I'm changing my name. I am now going to be Tomoari, because it means we are here. Mm-hmm. And we're we're gonna we're gonna tell the, these stories together. And like it, it was super sweet, su- like And it was also like a really gay scene, let's be real here. <laughs> yeah, it we felt- gay keep scrolling. <laughs> it felt definitely like a, a intentional moment of the director and the writers of the movie itself putting the thesis of like science sorrow's entire existence kind of like right there in the script about um, even if what we do is a little quirky and out there and maybe not understood by everyone it is the style it is the stories we want to tell and we're just going to keep doing it because it's uh, we feel it's important to keep these stories alive and to tell them in a way that uh, nobody else is doing yeah and also like the the total let's be real that was an indirect sake jug kiss 
<laughs> just there, tell, like, there was something very intimate about that moment. I didn't think yes. about that. And I think that I think that Josh and and um uh sorry. Josh and Sana really nailed it just because it's like it's like I don't want anything. Holds it up and feeds my feeds my my partner sake. Yeah, you do, bitch. Yeah. Um I'd also like to really point out this is not something that that, that Joshua or, or or anybody did, but I want to compliment the movie for after um Inuo agreeing to be the performer for just the Shogun. The next time you see him perform, there is absolutely nothing but silence. Yeah, because because Tominari is dead, and essentially so is Inuo in that moment. Like there is no, there is nothing there that's artistic. I guess in a sense anymore, there's nothing creative. It is, and you can, it is just silence and beauty. Like, it's the visuals are stunning, the visuals are great, but there's no sound. And for a lot of people I know who watch anime and like anime compared to the manga, especially for musical anime and manga, uh, the music is such a visceral part of what brings you into the experience, and to have it not there is just a very, very great take. And then with the, the text supplement that, that, um, you know, a stories were lost, and then you kind of get this moment where at the very end it's like, it's like with a Holden Thomas where it's like, I found you, but you took a while because you changed your name. You want to fucking jam in the street like badasses <laughs> and go to heaven? Hell yeah, my dude. And honestly, like, the thing I love about that that sort of silent moment is like, Inuo is drawn with absolutely dead eyes. Yeah. Just no life left in them. He looks like a very sad clown. Like, he, like he's he's being the very, the very serious performer of the style that would eventually be what is referred to as no. Because um, that was that was a whole thing with the with the text at the end of the movie was that basically yeah, um, Inuo turns around and becomes one of the greatest no performers of all time along with the um that other performer who's referenced um Fujiwaka yeah the one that uh, one of the girls is like it's better to see Inuo than Fujiwaka yeah but I this is where the movie had to succeed. It was the chemistry between its two leads and holy shit. Um, between basically four actors, um, which just getting, getting a good amount of chemistry between two is enough of a challenge. Um, mm. This movie had to do it with four. And holy shit. Um... Moving things around into final thoughts. Um, this is just a beautiful dub. Um, I cannot recommend it highly enough. This, and in fact, this may in fact be my favorite um, work of Masaki Yuasa. Period. What was the favorite before this? Um, it would have been. It probably would have been a tie between um, Mind Game and Devil Man Cry Baby. 
with Ping Pong a very, very close um, fourth. This doesn't feel anything. I, I'm sorry, I, I know the styles are kind of similar, but this, the story of this doesn't feel quite like uh, either of those, either Mind Game or Devil May Cry Baby. Right. But it, it's just a beautiful coming-of-age story. Um, and it's just... Whether you watch it subbed or you watch it dubbed, it is just... It's just a treat. Like, it's... It's amazing. And I'm... Like, I'm... I'm trying to find... I'm struggling to find words to... To give it praise other than, you know... It's good, yo. But... It's good, yo. That it is. It's... It's definitely a movie that... Um, I... I, I'm not going to go so far to say, like, the dub is amazing in the sense that it blew me away. It's that uh, this dub does the thing that all dubs should do, and that it is seamlessly integrated into the the audio of the movie. In that you can watch this and uh, not even be concerned about what language you're watching it in. Because the actors carry the performances, encapsulate the characters, all the emotions that they need to, to the point that you kind of forget you're even watching a movie after a while. And the parts that you'll probably remember um, are going to be the musical performances, just because they're so over-the-top, so... And I mean that in the kindest way possible. That they are so fun to watch. And that is a thing that the dub has to match up against, for sure. But it is the performance... They, they do a very good performance of the acting forces of it, which is, from a story perspective... Equally as important as those grand glam opera sections, indeed. So, I would also yeah. say this is well worth a watch for those scenes and the in between the musical scenes, which uh, are it's not just a Fantasia movie, you know, it's not just a sequence of musical spectacle. There is an actual heart and soul story in there, plus a little extra for the history nerds if you're so inclined to pay attention. Hey, you got my you got your character drama in my rock opera. Well, you got your rock opera and my character drama. Two great tastes. Well said. I was going to say, Almond, do you want to say stuff first? Because you've been kind of quiet. So. Well, you didn't stop talking long enough for letting me talk about anything, so yeah. Yeah, please go. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm going to talk about the leads, because I didn't get to say anything about that. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm, Yeah. Uh, they're really good. I want to specifically highlight Joshua Waters, because when they first started talking, I thought, where have I heard this actor before? Uh, and as far as I can tell, the answer is nowhere. I, I am familiar with, basically, the thing I'm most familiar with is they're doing some voice work for a weird ARG I'm into called Welcome Home, where they play, like, a mailman on, like, a fake Sesame Street show. Which is interesting, oh, yeah! but as of this recording, I've heard maybe about five seconds of that, so that's definitely not where I hear them from. Um, but I don't know, that, that, that feels like something. There's there's something about this, this magnetic character showing up and having a voice that feels like this voice has always been around. Surely I've heard this voice somewhere. And it's like, I don't know, it, 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 it was nice that they managed to pick an actor who felt like they had that kind of vocal charisma about them. And they feel like, you know, they, they feel familiar even though like I'm, I'm not sure I've heard anything by this actor previously. Um, and I generally agree with like what everyone else is saying. Um, Jonathan Sena are both very good. As Tomoichi, I'm also a little unclear what exactly Holden's performance in there is. Although if he is the 
if he's the one voicing Eno when like Eno and Domechi first meet, like I thought that scene was great. Just yeah, like the two yeah, of them just I'm kind of immediately hitting them. Sure it was, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was like potato Inuo. Yeah. No, I just like I just like that scene of these two like weird uh what's the phrase? You're not part of the in group. Two weird ostracized people meeting and finding a connection. Uh, because like the the things that make people you know most of society reject them don't matter to each other. That was nice. Outcasts, pariahs, something like that. Not pariahs. I mean, maybe a couple of maybe pariahs in the modern sense, but yeah, yeah, you know, they're they they are they are they are rejected by the mainstream in some capacity or another. Um, one maybe a little more than the other, but you know, they 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 have another connection, and that's I thought that moment was just very like sweet and well put together. Um, helps that the way they illustrate how like um, Tomoichi kind of visualizes the world, I think, just looks very neat. That was a, that was a good that worked well with it too. Um, well, as far as the dub as a whole, like yeah, this is really good. Uh, this is like I think this is a really like interesting and well put together movie. Um, I know it's my favorite Yuasa, but that's because like the the like uh, Tatami Galaxy slash the nice short walk on girl is like. Like scientifically designed to appeal to. <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> look, fair. Look, look, I, I'm a lot closer to the protagonist of the Tatami Galaxy than I probably want to admit. He's yeah. also on the really short list of anime characters that can actually cosplay because he has a beard for five minutes. Um, so like, probably, probably not going to take that, replace that as my favorite. But like, this is really fucking good. This is a good movie, and this dub is really, really well put together. It's a lot of fun. I think it's uh, just. I think it's interesting. It sounds like there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that's also very interesting that maybe isn't, uh, you know, implicitly I- expressed on screen. But I think you can definitely see the. You know, it's it's in there. You can you can feel it if you know what you're looking for, and if not, it'll still kind of come through in its own way. Um. Excuse me. Um. You know, it's, it's. I know just. It sometimes feels hard doing this now because I, I saw someone on Twitter point out a while ago that, like, no one really makes bad anime dubs anymore. Like, one of them crops up very yeah. occasionally, but, like, the average bar has been ratcheted up a lot higher than it was, like, 20 years ago. So often it, it sometimes feels hard to talk about them because, like, it's very good and professional because all anime dubs are very good and professional these days. Yeah, like, like at this point in time... It's like hard modern... to find a bad dub, but there are stuff that we can nitpick. Yeah, like, like, like a lot of times bad dubs often just mean, like, this is a perfectly serviceable dub for a really boring show. And that's more <laughs> the show's fault than the dubs. Um, this so is not an say- example. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is that we, we need to resurrect the retro style of dubs that are not bad necessarily, but, like, they sound really dated. Like, ones that sound like Saban dubs from back in their late 80s. Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> I missed that too, okay? Like, I watched Grimm's Fairy Tale Classic when Discotech put it out, and I was like, aw, we don't have acting like this anymore. There's a part of, as much as I appreciate it, there's a part of me that misses the old Wild West factor where sometimes just some random company would get a license and they'd slap a dub together and maybe it would be okay and maybe it would be just have way too many stars in it. But it, um, yeah, like that. that... 90s era, like, some rando picks up something and it gets a dub from, like, Minnesota. <laughs> they weren't all... Nobody knows <laughs> Nobody knows what the hell they're doing, but it's entertaining because of that. Hmm. I 
mean, we get Although, that sometime with some some tubs down here where it's it's. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess can I? Amon, are you good or do you still want to give thoughts? I'm sorry. I, didn't I mean, it's, it's a very good dub. I liked it a lot. <laughs> I recommend the movie. Go watch it. Yeah, I guess I'll I'll go because I think I'm the last person who hasn't given her final thoughts. Um, I like the dub a lot. I don't think this is my favorite personal Yuasa thing. I think I'm I'm kind of torn between Crybaby and um, Ping Pong being my personal favorite. Um. But I, I liked the dub a lot. I, I it was very impressed by the lead actors. I thought the film was great. It was definitely something I'd I'd want to watch and like show the peoples. But uh, it actually made me think about uh, this whole kind of like there isn't a bad anime dub anymore. But it, it kind of makes me think of this this quote. But it's actually about movie scores and not dubbing, which is uh, a good film can fr- uh, survive a bad score, but a, a bad score cannot save a good film. I saw that sideways like video that. too. Yeah, damn it! <laughs> Who else has watched the sideways video on cats? Dude, we, we all. Uh, um, yeah, but so we watched. The same I need YouTube to get to that too. one. It's been in my. Tomboy. Tommy. Tombo. Tomboy. My man. Please watch that fucking video. It's so good. You spent a quarter also, of a spaceship. Of a space shuttle. Yeah. Please watch that video. It's fucking great, actually. Especially if you're into more, like, sound mixing things, of all things. Because this is also a musical and, and stuff. And my hope is this. I really hope some American fucking startup doesn't see this and think, We can make this fucking movie into a live action. No, you can't. Not with Hollywood's media, media literacy levels. Mm. No, this would have to um, be a British production. <laughs> no, I don't... Oh, we are not letting the British touch this at all. I don't hey, give hey, a shit hey. if they're good at... I, I, Listen, I, I, they are good no. at glam rock, but they are not good with things they take from other countries. Okay, fair. Ask I, them about the spice trade. No, no, wait. We don't mention the spice trade. Yeah, they, they don't either, because they don't know where the fuck they put the spices. Look, look, if they could just work this into, like, a Black Mirror episode or something, I'll be fine with that, okay? Anyway. Megan, I, I am with you 100%, but I should point out, rock music, not from England. <laughs> <laughs> Very much something they took from elsewhere and did something with. Didn't they steal it from the black people, like from uh, from the U.S. black people? Like, I mean, I mean, U.S. white people yeah. stole it from U.S. black people, and then the people. British stole yes. it from them. Well, like, let's get let's get our order of gentrification right here. I'm sorry, I had I didn't put my I didn't put my gentrification pegs in correctly. Um. Anyway, those are my thoughts. So. Patrick, please take over before we we cause another incident with the British. What are they going to do about it? Let's let's move on before we start Revolutionary War 2. If you wanted to watch Inuo, um, it is readily available on DVD and Blu-ray via in the US um, Shout Factory via G-Kids. Um, in the in our friends down under, I believe it's I want to say it's Madman who got it, or it, it's another one of those um, smaller distributors who's been picking up a bunch of G kids. Jonathan, movies. correct us in the comments. You know, yeah, you know yeah. what you gotta do. We're counting on you, Jonathan. Um, and in the UK, I saved this one for last because. Um, Anime Limited's doing it, and if you've got the money for shipping, 
I would highly recommend picking up their limited edition version. It is exclusive through their store. It is like 35 pounds to ship it uh, for like a 35 pound Blu-ray box set, but it is. I'm looking at it on my shelf and it is gorgeous. And they include these these posters. Um, they're they're like art card size, but they're uh, they're posters of the international film festival tour dates that they did. Um, and they've got like all of Inuo's masks on them. It's, it's just mm. like if Dub Talk gave awards for Blu-ray packaging, this would this would be my winner right there. Mm, gorgeous. And if you live in the U.S. and wanted to stream it, um, it's on Hulu. I don't know how things work outside of the U.S., even Canada, so sorry, guys. It is it is probably on your local um, video-on-demand service in your area, whatever that happens to be. Oh, absolutely. Like we, like we're we're going to put like, it on Disney, so that means Inuo gets to be a Disney princess. <laughs> Well, no, don't do that, because then they won't release it on home video. They'll just put out a fancy case with no disc inside it. That wasn't even them. I know, I know. But it still made me mad to see WandaVision with no disc inside it. Who does that? It's it's an egregious concept, regardless of who's doing it. Whether it's licensed or not, it sucks. Don't tell me that video games haven't been doing that shit for years now. They have, yeah. Buy this fancy box. No game included. It's just a download code. <laughs> you can put it on your console's hard drive. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh. And if you wanted to know things we were up to, um, if I killed you a man with wa- the trident. <laughs> if you're watching this via YouTube, we also have audio podcast feeds, so you can take the show on the go. Um, currently we have, um, we are supporting Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Um, if you are happening to listen to this on one of those feeds, um, hey, we got a YouTube page. Um, it is youtube.com slash dubtalkpodcast. Um, it's basically the same thing, but we also put a lot of work into making slides that you're looking at right now. Or you would be looking at right now if... You were watching the video feed. Uh, do, 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 do. Um, we do have a Twitch stream, and we stream from it every now and again. I need to... I'm having some network issues, but once those get resolved, I'll be able to do things kind of regularly again. Um, and we got a, we've got a coffee page if you wanted to give financial contributions um and also if you wanted to do that a little more regularly we have a patreon and at the end of every episode we'd like to thank our patrons so at the five dollar tier we have megan's mom and dad michelle travis victor my and at the ten dollar tier we have anthony brown carly leskow julia w kimasu marissa lenti and otaku anthony um Thank you very much, guys. Um, we very we are very much able to do the things we do because of your contributions. Um, and if you are at the ten dollar tier, uh, every three months you get to get to put a, a show up 
for consideration for a Dev Talk episode. And then everybody gets to vote on them. So for all of you out there who have been waiting with fingers crossed for that Apocalypse Zero episode, this is your way to finally make it happen. That's my favorite we'll do comedy it. dub. Because we'll do it. God That's it. damn there it, we go. we'll fucking do it. We don't We're have crazy. any of those anymore. Nobody makes dead leaves anymore. We got a podcast and god damn it, we'll use it. <laughs> yes, we will. Okay, so... In addition to where Dub Talk stuff is on the internet, we've also got stuff on the internet. So, Amon, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at AmonDuelUS. Twitter is with... Uh, Duel is with two U's. I also have a pinned tweet that tells you where else to find me in case Twitter implodes. So, you know, just look for Oops. I'm on Duel US or Lucifer Hunklehead. It's probably me. Um, uh, you can find me there. I, I stream on the Twitch channel. Um, I'll, it'll be done by this point, but if you turn in this week, you can watch me play a really um, vaguely upsetting uh, RPG based on claymation. Um, that I would best describe as like what you probably thought Earthbound would look like based on your cousin badly describing it to you that one time at a like family cookout. Holy shit! It's delightful. Vivid description. <laughs> It'll be on the VOD channel. Go watch it. It's 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 been a delight. Um, and I have a, I have well I was gonna have a Dusty Old song and then the more I tried to do research to do something interesting the more it just spiraled out of control. So uh, I don't know. Get out of get out of take. I hope you're ready to take notes. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so, uh, the Biwa. I got a scrap of paper. I, I've got literally the notes app pulled up. So the Biwa. I was gonna s- probably I was gonna say, are you just gonna suggest people watch Tommy Boy? No. What? Okay. Huh? Oh shit, my bad. I Go think ahead. you mean what? Tommy the Who album. Tommy Boy is a <laughs> yes! Chris Farley movie. Okay, that's that makes a, no, no, not the Tommy is very good. You should listen to it, but. Um, that's not where I'm going to go for here because I want to talk about other things. Uh, so, uh, the biwa, it's a stringed instrument. It's one of the Japanese, uh, it's not derived from the lute, obviously, but it is that kind of family. Strings, fretboard, body, etc. Shamisan. Um, as, as I learned from research, i.e. browsing the Wikipedia article, um, and what I think is perhaps a, a actually an undercurrent to the end of the movie, the biwa apparently fell, like, in and out of fader, like, over just the course of centuries. Like, to the point where, like, the last time it fell out of favor for the present day, which you'll be shocked to learn was around World War II, it had kind of gone, like, in and out of style, like, three or four times, basically. Which, I, I feel like I feel like that means something in the context of this movie, where, like, the new revolutionary Biwa style is intentionally suppressed. Mm-hmm. And then people just kind of forget about the whole thing, because it seems too old-fashioned to care about anymore. Yeah, that um, makes sense around World War II, when they were kind of shunning the old Japanese style and importing Western ethics. So they were like, eh, gotta, I don't need this string gotta, instrument. Gotta, Bring gotta, gotta, keep those guys in, gotta keep those guys in the military base entertained, right? <laughs> um, but, however, all was not lost. Uh, both because in the, starting kind of the 60s and so on, there was a resurgence in a lot of more traditional Japanese art forms. You have people who are, um, in one hand, you sort of start incorporating that into... Uh, maybe not stuff that's strictly rooted in traditional Japanese music, but wants to take advantage of it. Uh, one I saw that you can check out is a piece called November Steps. It is by a composer named uh, Toru Takamitsu, who is a kind of a you know, modernish Japanese classical music composer. It is uh, meant to combine like traditional Japanese instruments and Western orchestra, apparently at the suggestion of um, uh, at the suggest. Wait, is it? Hold on, I saw this. at the suggestion of Leonard Bernstein. 
who apparently heard one of his earlier works, and it's like, oh, this is good. You should try this like Western music. That would sound interesting. So, you the know, fa- Charmed Life. The um, famous R.E.M. character? You stop that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but on the other hand, uh, someone who I would uh, suggest maybe seeking out is a guy named uh, Yamashika Yoshiyuki, who, from what I can tell, is kind of one of the, one of the last examples of, like, a dude who played Biwa who learned it via kind of, like, you know, the, the oral tradition style, um, down to also being a blind musician. Uh, and apparently, like, a fair number of what we kind of know about sort of at least the, the style of Biwa he plays kind of comes from him, like, having been born early enough that he learned all this stuff and was still alive up through, like, the early 90s and was able to, like, teach this to other people and there are recordings of his work, which you can find. Uh, I listen to some of it. It is interesting, although obviously Biwa is mostly story songs, and I don't know any Japanese, so um, I, I can definitely appreciate the performance. I don't know what's going on, um, but that's interesting. Um, but in case you're not as much interested in all this modern classical and uh, traditional Japanese music, I would instead suggest something that came to mind from watching a there's a little featurette on the Blu-ray of Yuasa just giving an interview, and someone asks him what were the musical inspirations. And one of the things he brought up, who I feel like don't get talked about very more, is the band Deep Purple. Now, you might know Deep Purple as the Smoke on the Water guys. Everyone knows it. (laughs) Uh, I don't honestly know if people know them much more for anything else. It's unclear to me what their legacy is these days outside of, like, uh, classic rock heads like me. Um, But there are one guy at the guitar store. (laughs) There's always that one guy at the guitar store who will go on at great length about how great Richie Blackmore is, even though you do not know who the fuck he is talking about. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, they're they're a delightful band. Uh, if you've if you've ever if you are a musical theater person ever struggled to sing uh, Gethamine from Jesus Christ Superstar, that is the lead singer's faults. He did that on the original cast recording. He's why it goes way up high randomly towards the middle. Uh, but oh, I would damn. recommend you. It, it's really funny to me that a Ian Gilliam like like rock star move is permanently entrenched in the history of musical theater. That's that is so fucking funny to me. I don't know how to express how hilarious that is to me. Um, but if you like a Deep Purple thing to recommend, I would recommend their live album Made in Japan, which they recorded on an early '70s tour while in Japan. It is amazing. It's just wonderful. It will cause your face to fall off, you know, from the melting. So you know, be <laughs> warned. But uh, it's a good time. Check it out. But in a hot way. I, 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 70s rock bands are all kind of lumpy looking. <laughs> like MTV didn't oh, yeah, exist they yet. Not. They're all a little... No, no one had to be like super pretty. Like Ian Gillen's not bad looking, but like he's not even as good as Roger Daltrey, who I, I don't know if people consider him a dreamboat <laughs> these days, you know? No, uh, I, I don't think we any of us look at Steely Dan or any of the members from the Doobie Brothers and be like, Hot... I, 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 I don't know, Michael McDonald's not that attractive. That's just the man who looks like Michael I McDonald. mean, it's also musicians from the 70s, they were, like, regardless of how they look, they were still able to get it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> if you were on the Midnight Power- Special, you were absolutely getting it. Powered by weed and coke. Oh, you bet. <laughs> anyway, so check that out. I usually go last for this reason, because I've talked way too much. Please, someone else take the, take the microphone. I guess I'll go because I have the shortest thing. Hi, I'm Megan. You can follow me at Queen Era 2 on Twitter or just Queen Era on the other Blue Sky app because I got into that today. I mostly ship posts on the regular. Um, I haven't streamed in a while, mostly because I'm playing a lot of Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, so if you just, you just find one of my seven alts running around, 
uh, you'll you'll just know it's me. Just scream at me in all chat. Um, I I don't really have anything fun like a dusty old song or anything, but uh, yeah. Nice. Uh, Noah. Also, oh, I sorry. also love my boy. I also really really love my boyfriend. Oh, oh, I was gonna say that. He's a. <laughs> Get your own, Patrick. This one's mine. <laughs> all right, fine, fine. I'll go up. Hey, take all the good stuff from me, Megan. Why you gotta do that to me? You know how hard it is being a straight person in this world, you know? I don't know how hard it is to be a single mother of three, mostly because I have no children <laughs> and I'm a 26-year-old man. <laughs> I'll tell you what it's like being a single mother, but that'll be for a different podcast. Speaking of which, um, uh, I am only around the internet with the user handle NoahClue. Um, so if you see that name anywhere, it's probably me somewhere. Um, mostly on just using Twitter uh, to post pictures of my three lovely kids or our cute dog Lily. Um, so that's basically it. along with um, ranting about the world of the animation industry, the underrepresentation of good artists, um, at least until Guillermo del Toro takes over the entire animation studios and just makes everything awesome again. I can't wait for that to happen. Um, and there, I also have a YouTube channel that I have not uploaded in forever. But again, if you look up Noah Clue on YouTube, you will probably find that. Maybe by the time this episode goes up, I will have put something out on there. Probably not, though, because full-time job, pay off mortgage, keep family fed. Doesn't really leave a whole lot of time for anything else. And then you can find me on basically social media because I'm I'm sticking the feelers out um, if you see an account called Roots of Justice it's probably me unless it says something you don't like in which case no no that's not me um, mainly retweet cute animal pics talk general fandom it's a good time you should come see me um, and I struggled to find a Patrick School thing of the day and then I remembered a couple days ago um Shin Kamen Rider dropped on Amazon Prime out of the blue, and it's just like, go watch that. It's it's Hideaki Anno and Shinji Higuchi, like, having a Kamen Rider punch holes in people's faces. It's awesome. Sometimes all you need is a dude in a big jacket. That's all you need. That's all you need. <laughs> the cool mask. That's all you need. That's all you need. And it's, like, ultra-violent. It's, it's, it's great. Like... That's all you need! You think the characters in this movie would have been Kamen Rider fans? Yes, it's it's big yeah. and flashy and theatrical. They would like Kamen Rider. <laughs> they, they, they would appreciate its dedication to trying to do things that are way outside of its budget and going for it anyways. I can absolutely see Inuo riding a motorcycle. They would absolutely make a pilgrimage to the Toei Rock Rotto. <laughs> This and is, perform there. This is all going on fanfiction.net, by the way. Please, we don't use it anymore. Get an AO3 <laughs> account like everyone else, you piece of shit. I refuse to accept the new times. I have yet to delete Netscape Navigator. Holy, Holy shit. shit. All right, Noah, you're going to boomer jail. <laughs> Jesus. That's all right. Because all right. As, as this movie has taught us, um, only the good die young. All right, Noah, time for you to go back to the gulag. Let's go. Also, we have been at this for like an hour and 40 minutes now, so um, I'm going to go ahead and call this 
a wrap for both the Inuo episode and Summer at the Movie Season 7 as a whole. Woohoo! Like, holy shit, this has been a ride, guys. Yay! Yeah. I only showed my tits once on tour. <laughs> Andrew showed his five times. <laughs> and they were bigger, too. And at least people only saw my bare ass once. Excuse me, Noah. I don't walk around with two watermelons strapped to my chest to lose to that little fucker. Wait a minute. Did you all go to a Willie Nelson concert without me? Guilty! But the bus was right there, okay? What were you supposed to do? Not get on? I didn't even know it was a Willie Nelson concert until we got on the bus, and there he was. Just Well, you you would know that. Apparently, uh, Willie Nelson concerts have the most flashing in it. They did a survey. No one knows why. Everybody Makes sense, wants though. Everybody wants to see Willie's Willie. <laughs> All right, they want to toot on the sacred they want to toot on the second bomb. Oh. I love you guys. Aw. Uh oh Takawan there, Daba. Aloha. Rock over Boston, rock on Chicago. Free the nip. Formally recording now. Okay. Formally as in used to be recording or formally as in professionally recording? We do things professionally here? Yes. No, no, that's why I was asking. Well, this has to be a professional recording because I am wearing pants. Oh, shit. I see.